Without further ado, we need to go out to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Cavs desperately trying to stay afloat as they are still missing two of their key star players in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. And we turn the calendar to the new year. They lose last night to the Raptors. But it's been a decent little stretch here, even without those two guys. And to talk about all of it is our good friend from the Locked On Cast podcast, SB Nation, and more. Chris Manning joins us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris, happy new year to you, my friend. I miss you. How you been? I'm doing well, buddy. Hopefully, hopefully see you soon. Hope you and the family had a good new year and a good holiday. It was great. Uh, the little guy got to meet his nieces for the first time, so that was a lot of fun. Um, the the only I think downside to all of it was that I think at one point like all the adults in the involved in our Christmas ex- celebration got sick, and my turn was like on the way home from the trip, so that was the worst thing. But other than that, it was good. How about you? Uh, mostly pretty good quiet, which is a good aisle. There was a sickness going around, so I was sick for this is the first day I felt good in like on, oh, in a little bit. It's the worst. It's it's that time of year, man. It's just everyone's getting kind of run down. Donovan Mitchell <laughs> included, I guess, is, is is part of the the very many people dealing with various illnesses right now, or at least at least yeah. we're dealing with various yeah. illnesses. Well, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, I'll start here. We saw the trade a couple days ago over the weekend. The Knicks acquiring OG Ananobi from the the Raptors, and because of what they had to give up, it kind of takes the Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks thing out of the conversation, does it not? I don't think we know yet, to be honest with you, because I, I I'm going to tell you something, Spencer, that I think is perhaps an unfortunate reality. Um, it's not guaranteed the Cavs are going to be able to like flip Mitchell and just get. The, the full dollar back if they have to, right? Or get like a dollar ten for the dollar, right? Like, yes, the Knicks gave up Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett, who you theoretically would have saw in that trade, but they still have all their picks. They have Quentin Grimes, who I think is really good and would be a good fit with Darius. They have other salaries they can use. It's not going to be a perfect trade, and it maybe requires some finagling and whatnot, but I don't necessarily think this like slams the door shut. Now the reporting out there that if you read from Smart Sign and all these others is that a the Knicks aren't going to do an all-out pursuit of Mitchell. What does that mean? You could that doesn't mean they're not going to pursue him, but it means not all out. Okay, and also the Cavs aren't going to trade Mitchell. They're not considering overtures and not listening to them right now. So it seems like we're in a holding pattern still. But I don't think this OG trade immediately just means Mitchell's not going to eventually. Try to force it into New York, and that could happen. I, I think it, there's the path is a little less clear now, but I don't think you can just write it off the board and say, "Ah, well, he's this is going to be fine now." I, I, there's still, I think, a lot to be sorted out there before you can absolutely declare that he's not going to end up with the Knicks eventually. So, ending up with the Knicks still a possibility. What would you say is the possibility that he ends up traded before or by the trade deadline? I should say this year. I think zero. Um, I think zero. I, I think number one, why, I don't think you're getting best value right now. I think you'd be kind of forcing something and that's not really fair. Secondly, I don't know how they would sell it. And that's not how you make or why you make every trade, but imagine Kobe Altman. Let's say, he, let's say February 9th at the deadline, they trade Donovan Mitchell that night. The next day he does a press conference 
or Jamie Vickerstaff's the first one, whoever has to talk about it first. And the whole organization has to be like, yeah, like we felt it was the best move right now for us to trade the best guy on our team right now in season. We've had all these injuries, but we just feel like it was the right time to pivot. You could, there's a, there's a story you could tell there. They could tell that you would, I would be sympathetic that he's already, you knew he was going to leave and all that stuff. And you, you were put in a, in a bad hand, but why not just wait till the end of the season then? Why not at least just play it out and see where you get, why do it now? I just don't think there, there's a tenable way to trade him now. Even if I look, a lot of people think they should trade him at some point, and I get that to some degree if he's going to go. Especially, I think in season right now would be I'd be flabbergasted if they did that. On the other end of this conversation, what percentage would you put on him actually staying um, and and re-upping with the Cavaliers when when this is when this all kind of gets sorted out? I don't want to, I would say, I don't, I, my gut tells me, here's how I answer it. Head tells me that logically, like there's just so much smoke nationally uh, and from people that seem to know what's kind of going on at that high level that he wants to go to the Knicks. And that's, I think pretty publicly just kind of know he wants to maybe be in New York at some yeah. point. I also just don't necessarily know if 100% the market will break his way where he gets exactly what he wants. And I think Donovan Mitchell is great. He's a top 15 to 20 player in the league. But is he good enough on his own to just get exactly where he wants all the time? That's that's not a guarantee, I don't think. And I think you also just look, let's just the Knicks specifically. Are they, if they want to do another big trade, use all their picks, to one of which is a Pistons pick, another which is a Wizards pick, so decent picks. Are they going to want to pair Brunson with Mitchell? Is that what they want to do? And Brunson's kind of yeah. the heart and soul of that team. Is that what they're really going to want to do? Is that maybe that's the best available option for them and they decide they need to do it? But I don't think this is like all up to Mitchell. I think there could be a, a reality, and I don't, I don't know percentages exactly, but there's a reality, I think, where he the Cavs are good enough this year. He likes the organization, and at the very least, even if it doesn't, rule out a total trade in the future, at least quiets it down for a little bit. He signs the extension and he sticks around. I, I don't know how likely it is, but I think that there's a scenario where as much as other team, as much as he maybe looks elsewhere, the market doesn't really break for him in a way. And he ends up signing extension just to get the guaranteed money. He maybe have to revisit this in a couple of years. Talking with Chris Manning on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You can follow him on X at CWM Rights. Uh, as we talk about them navigating these injuries and Donovan Mitchell's future and as they try to stay afloat here, I've kind of been saying it almost gives me flashbacks to two years ago where this team kind of feels like they're fun again just because there's less expectations on them in terms of what we think they should be doing or how far they need to go in the playoffs or anything like that. So with that in mind, like, what's your perspective on on this recent sort of stretch and how they're playing, and what should the expectations be, knowing that they're kind of trying to tread water here, and then once they get Mobley and Garland, Garland likely first back, that maybe there's a chance they could make some noise in, in the postseason. Okay, let me flip this on you for a second. Sure. So we uh, about an hour two hours ago evan and i recorded our show for tomorrow people can check that out wherever i asked him a question of what the Cavs' floor was he said that they make it to the second round and i thought that was crazy for their floor 
their floor. So he thinks their ceiling. He, he must think their ceiling is then what? Like win a championship? I, he said conference, uh, conference finals, and I just don't really know what he was getting at. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I, Spencer, I look at this team, and I don't feel like I have like the numbers, the film, the energy, everything about it is so different than last year. So let me, I, yeah. what is your floor for them? Like, if you're going to say, what is the minimum they could do? You'd expect them to accomplish here. Where are you at with them in that regard? Um, sitting here today, I would probably tell you, I think their floor would be, they make it as a play in team and would just get like bounced in. They'd either like win a game and then lose the next one or whatever. Um, and get bounced. I, I but I, I, I think their ceiling once they get everybody back healthy could be potentially you make it to the second round. So I'm kind of like, I think my ceiling is where Evan's floor is, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think I'm with you, but I, I, the they need to show something, I think, the rest of the year. Like, right now they're eighth. Okay, let's just say it's 7-8, Knicks, Cavs in the playing tournament. Okay, see if that holds. Might not, obviously. A lot, a lot, a lot of basketball to go. You could be in a world where, like, you're in the 7-8, and then you end up as, like, and you maybe you end up as the 7-8, and you get the Bucks in round yeah. one. You're going to be massive underdogs. You really, if you, I think if you want to get out of round one, you really kind of got to push up to, like, five. And really, even if you're done at home court and, like, Orlando and Miami, like, those would be the teams you'd, like, theoretically, I guess. And playing Miami sounds like a disaster in the playoffs we've seen. But, like, you're facing uphill battles, I think, in a, in a lot of places here. It, it's a hard place to be. In, again, they're not that far out of five, really. It's only a game. So it's not, like, super dramatic where there's, like, two weeks left. But... They're struggling. I don't think they've had the momentum these other teams have had in the East for much of the year. And I think the floor for me, I agree with you, is playing tournament. It's very possible that that's where they end up this year. Even with all the offseason yeah. additions and everything, it's just that's they, they're profiling as like a 41 winish team right now. That's like playing. That's yeah. not top six, top four seed like last year. It's a very different world based on what they've been so far, where they're kind of projecting out to me. And again, the health could get better and it should get better. And those maybe get a little more lucky. Um, and they're certainly showing some grit right now, but I think the floor is, as I'm with you, it's, it's in the plane. And, and that's a very weird place for them to be after, even after how I last year. And it's just, they were much better last year. You mentioned things feeling different this year. And I think that obviously that, that this opens up the conversation on just JB Bickerstaff and how much of that is his responsibility. And, and listen, there's a lot working against him this year. I mean, from the jump, there's been injuries galore. It started with Jared Allen. There's been others. Um, and now he's got two of his biggest stars missing for an extended period of time. But uh, how are you kind of approaching him as a head coach in terms of how we can assess him, knowing that there's context around what the team's doing and why they're not maybe performing up to par because of the injuries? Like, where are you at with him? I think when well, the last time I had you on, you, you mentioned that maybe you don't necessarily think they move on from him during the season. But just when the season ends and we look back on this thing, Will we have enough data to kind of say, yeah, he's not it, even though we'll know the season was marred by a lot of injuries? I think you could have that information, but I, I tend to do his credit. The one thing I'll say about JB that is I think really impressed me the last couple of weeks and tells you something about him in the locker room's relationship with him is that, like, they had all these injuries. Garland has the jaw injury. Mobley has the knee surgery. Donovan's out with illness. And the team didn't fold. Mm. Like, that. that yeah. is – there, there's a lot sexier things you can talk about with coaches. Like Quinn Snyder, you know, is a much better offensive innovator than JB. And like there are other coaches that are more accomplished and all this stuff. 
And I, I don't really know if he's like the perfect guy for this group or if you would be wise to go in a different direction, particularly if you make roster changes and you want to evolve the team in some way. Like he unfortunately would be the guy that's just kind of the nature of the business. And I think as a son of like a long-time NBA coach, he, would, he knows that. But the team to me, like it, it's telling to me about him and where he's at with the group at the very least, that they didn't quit on him when things were, when their backs were like all against the wall, they had 10 guys. He was he was able to get a lot out of them during that stretch. That says something to me. I don't you know I don't know how much weight you can put in ultimately if you're in, in a results based business and in a very hard business. But that to me said something about what the locker room actually means. Rock how they rock with him, what their relationship is with him. Because if in other situations, I think teams would have just quit at that point, and teams would have just said, okay, our stars are gone. I guess it's time to just kind of chill. And that's not what that team did. And he does, he has some part in that without question. Yeah. I mean, I bring that up all the time with Kevin Stefanski, uh, other coaches yeah. in this town. So I, I think there is something to be said for guys not giving up on, on the coach. Uh, I, I do have other questions on that topic, but I think they're better for maybe over a beer than, than on the air. So we'll, we'll save them for another time. Um, but the last thing I'll get you out of here with is with the trade deadline approach, we kind of, you know, throughout the scenario of Donovan Mitchell, if that's a possibility, do you envision this team doing much of anything at the deadline? I kind of feel like who they have is who they got. Like they made their big move in, in signing Max Struess. He was supposed to fill the one void that you had. Um, but I mean, I guess there's an argument to be made that maybe you could go pursue a backup point guard. Uh, where do you think they're at in terms of a potential trade deadline moves here in the next month? I think they will do something. I think the the Rubio reporting we've seen out there, um, most notably from the Athletic, I think indicates that there's some kind of trade coming. I, I think there's no question about that. Um, the, what it is to me is interesting because like I I think you could talk me into backup point guard being the right move, but I've also really liked Craig Porter Jr. and like I think yeah. he's you could just put him on a real contract and tell me like that's good enough. And I'd be okay with that. I, what I, where I really would be looking is like, can you upgrade Dean Wade, who doesn't always feel like he played like he played against Toronto like twenty minutes, and I you could have told me he played zero, and I probably would have believed you because it doesn't feel like he's always contributing, right? Like it's that's kind a of good a way to put it with Dean Wade. Like it sometimes yeah. just seems like he's just a body out there. Like like, like I understand yeah. the the organization touted him, they gave him the extension, they felt like there was something there, but he's really not panned out anywhere near what this organization thought he was going to be. And it just feels like he's yeah. kind of just wasted space at times. And I don't mean that harshly. I just mean it, when you watch these games that you're right, that's how it feels. Yeah. And so like, you take Rubio's salary and his salary, which are like relatively small in the cap and whatever, like they're, they're relatively inoffensive contracts. And could you find a wing who's like close to the mid-level and then you just sign Craig Porter Jr. to a full contract. You still stand with the tax, all that, that important accounting stuff. And that's your move. Like that. Like they don't have a ton of picks. They're one kind of other non-Mitchell like big trade thing you could do is like, hey, Jared Allen, you're getting traded. I don't think they're going to do that in season either. It doesn't feel like it would be. I think hard to do. Um, so that that's again more of an off-season thing. I think if you're going to go down that path, and he's obviously been really good of late. So I think it'll be a smaller move. If it were me, if I were kind of getting to make that decision, I would want to go find another wing take the Dean Wade contract, take the Rubio contract, and some seconds, go get a, a more veteran wing that maybe has a more than the rest of the season of team control, and then just sign Craig Porter Jr. And there's some risk involved in that for sure, but uh, maybe there's a buyout point guard. Maybe you, you know, maybe there's a way to kind of snag both of that money. I don't know, but I would be looking more at 
give me another wing body, a three, four type. And instead of a, a backup point guard or a backup center or something like that. And of course I thought of a, a follow-up question that I don't have time for because we are up against it for a break. So I'm going to just text it to you. I'm going to text it to you, you after I get off the air here. Chris Manning, of course, he's one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. You can also read his work at Cleveland Magazine, SB Nation. He also hosts the Just Basketball Show uh, Chris, you know I'm always grateful for your time, my man. I, I hope dearly that we get a chance to cross paths here soon. I, I think we should, um, but I'm, I'm, I I'm do want to catch up with you a lot, so appreciate you giving us a few minutes tonight. Happy New Year to you, and we'll talk again here in a little bit. You too, buddy. Can't wait to see you soon. See you, Chris. Good night, man. Good stuff. Chris Manning, Locked on Cavs. Great job. I think he always brings some great insight to the table. He said the door isn't closed on a Knicks trade for Donovan Mitchell. He also said... Uh, interesting commentary on J.B. Bickerstaff because the rest of us, I think, are kind of out on him, but he's saying the locker room is in on him. Let's, re- let's react to that when we get back. Also, coming up at 11 o'clock, we got off the beaten path. Keep it locked. Plenty of shows still to go. You're on Overtime with Jonathan Peel and Spencer and for J.P. on the fan.